Hello and welcome, everyone. This is Matt Stone reporting from WFMJ. In today's podcast, uh, we have Dr. Benjamin Newman. He is from Texas A&M University in Texarkana. He is the head of biology there and also one of the world's top experts in the coronavirus. And he just happens to be from the Youngstown area. That's why we like to talk to him, uh, you know, because it's nice to have uh, uh, such an expert from our local area. Of course, we've talked to him quite a bit uh, since the coronavirus uh, pandemic here began. Dr. Uh, Newman, you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, there is some some talk going on right now as to the origins of the coronavirus, whether or not it came from a wet market uh, in Wuhan or somewhere in China, or if it did in fact come from uh, the lab in Wuhan. Uh, not asking you whether to weigh in on, on its importance of where it came from, um, but why we need to know uh, how it's created, how it's helpful for the scientific community. Yeah, and I think that's a fair question. I think a lot of what we're seeing is essentially the human desire for justice. When something bad happens, you want to be able to say, you know, it was this person, they did it, and you want to be able to hold them accountable. The thing is, I think we're looking at what is actually just an act of nature here. Like when lightning strikes a house, it can set your house on fire, burn it down. And you can ask, you know, who did this? Who's responsible? And I I guess maybe the person that built the house, but really it's just nature. So that's, that's kind of what we're running up against. From a scientific point of view, I would say we would very much like to know what kind of animal had this virus before. Because even if you were to believe that it, you know, somehow escaped the lab, and I don't think there's any real evidence that actually points to that, that a scientist would believe. But even if that is the case, they still got it from some kind of animal. And we still don't know what that is. If we know exactly what this animal is, what its range is, where it's found, that is a big step toward being able to stop this from happening again because we know that this is not just the only virus that's out there. We know there's a whole family of SARS-related viruses in the world, Uh, a lot of them in bats, a lot of them in pangolins, and a great number of these are able to grow in human cells based on some limited tests that people have done. So they haven't grown most of the viruses, but they've used little pieces of the virus to show whether that piece is able to get into a human cell, and uh, yeah, quite a few of them are able to. So there's a world of these potential problems out there. And the sooner we come to grips with how big this is, where we find these things, and what the potential is for these things to, um, yeah, cause pandemics in the future, that's our biggest step toward preventing something like this from happening again. This virus has mutated to get to where it is. Does finding the original virus kind of help you get to what you need to get to to make sure it doesn't happen again? Yes and no. Uh, You know, if it's a particular kind of monkey that has the virus, then you can say, always wear a mask when you go around this particular monkey, you know, something like that. Uh, In terms of finding the virus, I think that mostly satisfies this real basic human need to know why. I think we're the only creatures that can ask the question why and the only ones that can answer it and the only ones to whom that answer would have any meaning. So it's important, but not so much from a science point of view. 
from a scientific point of view, we want to know what are the possible threats. And once we know what these things are, how can we better protect against them? Can we make drugs that work against a whole range of these? Can we make a vaccine that can knock out 10 different coronaviruses rather than one? These are the challenges that scientists are really waiting to take on. And we just need to know, yeah, where did this thing come from? And what else is out there that is similar to this virus? We've got some pieces, but we don't quite have enough yet to solve the puzzle, I'm afraid. So, you know, with things opening up in Pennsylvania and Ohio, the health restrictions being lifted, where is this technically the end of the pandemic? Uh, obviously it's not, but you know, where are we at now? How do we, where do we go from here? Right. Yes and no. Things are better, but things aren't great yet. Uh, so I would say look at the U.S. as a whole. Um, I think Ohio's got around 500 cases, new cases per day, um, and you're going to have similar numbers in surrounding states. The U.S. as a whole, I think, is somewhere between 17,000 and 21,000 per day. And the, the range on that is just because you always have fewer cases reported at the weekend when people are on holiday sensibly. And then you get a big lump of cases once the week starts back up. And so, yeah, we're not quite sure where this is going, but it's going in the right direction. The thing with any chemical or biological system is that it's eventually going to come to equilibrium which means some point where it's gonna be stable, where the virus doesn't necessarily go up, doesn't go down, it just stays at a particular rate, as long as everything else stays uh, constant. We're trying to get to some kind of equilibrium and that equilibrium could be zero. We could actually drive this virus out of existence. We're moving toward it, but right now it's too early to say whether we have done enough to actually get there. So the vaccination efforts have been great so far. And we are at least halfway to where we would need to be in terms of just this situation being impossible for a virus like this to be able to grow just because there are too many people that are vaccinated and there's, there's nowhere left for it to go. That's part of the problem. Another part of the problem is that this virus exists around the world. And in something like 100 countries, there have been no vaccinations given yet. And they're talking about vaccination actually not being a reality until 2023 or maybe 2024. And the thing is, these are places where people travel and people from these places travel here, people from here vacation in some of these places. So there's going to be risk and there's gonna be ongoing exposure. And so the question is, how can we deal with this? The new variant based vaccines may help to some degree, but those are always gonna be trailing behind because it takes a few months to roll out a new vaccine, but it only takes the virus a few hours to copy itself, make new mistakes, and um, yeah, these new mistakes can go viral as we've seen with the uh, India variant, which I guess is now called uh, the Delta variant, and with so many other variants before this. Does this mean we're gonna have booster shots as a, as a regular thing for us? Until the world is COVID-free, yeah, we've got to keep on our toes, uh, essentially. So herd immunity is a thing that if we can get there, it may last six months, it may last a year without additional vaccination. And as the virus changes, it sort of chips away at the immunity that we have built up. And so it's really a race between us and the virus. You know, we... Is this something that will not go away, you think? 
it's within our power to make this go away forever and uh, completely. There are things that would have to be done. Like there are things that could be done at an international level, um, perhaps making it easier for some of these countries to make their own vaccines. There are things that could be done at a supply level. Some of the components that go into the vaccines are really hard to come by at the moment, but we're not really on that sort of war footing. So if you look at maximum human effort, I still think the best picture for that is World War II. And we could be driving a lot more effort, energy, funding toward getting rid of this thing. And there will be benefits definitely down the road in that we'll have a world where we don't have to worry about uh, this and we'll be better prepared if something else does pop up. But we've got a ways to go. Uh, And um, there are a number of ways to get there. It's just a matter of picking one and pursuing it hard enough that it actually um, solves the problem. You know, there's always these people that, uh, you know, will never get the vaccine, whether it's a political or, or religious reason for that. Uh, is there any way you could convince those people that that maybe uh, it's the thing to do? Yeah, it's possible, but there are also other ways to do this. Um, uh, with certain kinds of vaccine, you'll do a thing called ring vaccination. So when we're down to a fairly low number of cases, then as if a new variant pops up in an area, you can vaccinate the people in sort of a ring around that area. And potentially uh, this can help to control it. Uh, You can do more targeted things like that. There are also potentially gonna be other ways. So we haven't done much in terms of therapeutics, like drugs, medicines that you can take that would slow the virus down and give the immune system a chance to um, overcome the virus. I think there's still a lot more potential uh, in that option as well. And even for people that don't like vaccines, most of them will take an aspirin, you know, when they have a headache. So there may be other ways to get to the same position. Uh, It's just going to be a matter of creativity and uh, yeah, just keeping the word out there. um, Yeah. Helping people stay strong and do the right thing. All right, Dr. Newman, I'll let you have the last word in regards to uh, what is next for all of us. Now that the health words are lifted. Yeah. So it's it's looking pretty reasonable out there. Um, you've got some states that have already lifted mask mandates and things like that, or maybe never really practiced them much in the first place. And with the amount of vaccination that's going on, those places seem to be doing okay. We We could be decreasing the virus at a very steep rate. Instead, we're going for a very gentle decline, but it's still declining for now. And while the virus is going down, my hopes are going to keep going up. With a virus like this, nothing is forever. And you can't trust the virus to stay the same or necessarily keep playing by the same rules it played by in the past. So I think it's really important to still make sure that, you know, as many loved ones as you can do your best, help them to get vaccinated or at least uh, take the right precautions because this is very much a situation that we are in together and we'll all be in together until it's extinct. So it's, it's nice. It's nice to see these milestones, to see restrictions being lifted and see numbers continue to go down, but don't get complacent. We've still got a long way to go and when we get to the point where the virus is extinct in America, and I hope we get there, 
We've still got the rest of the world to tackle. So it's a solvable problem. This is something we can chip away at. And this is something that we very much need to solve because yeah, it's just so much better for humanity. And once we get this thing under control properly, finally, forever, I think this will be the biggest and most impressive human achievement, bigger than space travel, bigger than any building that anybody's ever built, because this will be the entire world working together and doing something that no individual or even individual nation could have done on its own. And that's pretty cool. Dr. Benjamin Newman, thank you very much for speaking with us today. That'll do it for today's 21 News podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Matt Stowe.